All right, guys, welcome back or welcome to the Defining Endurance podcast. I'm your host, Coach Andrew Simmons. My co-host here today is Miss Lexi Miller. And we're actually talking about not finishing races, talking about DNFing. Oh, that is never a fun thing. I, uh, I've unfortunately had my fair share of DNFs over the years, um, but we're going to dive into that. Lexi, where are you at on the DNF spectrum? Have you had one yet? Well, we talk about that in the episode. In the beginning, we all share. I'm joined with our other coaches, Hillary Osborne and Laura Brooke, and we talk about our own experiences with DNFs, uh, and we talk mm. about as a coach and as an athlete how you move past them, through them, and then get into your next race without having that anxiety or shame hanging over your head. Um, but since in the story we share our DNFs, Andrew, tell us about yours. Man, I'll tell you, you know, I think one of the things that's really hard is like we, there's a lot of shame around DNFs. Like, I think a lot of people are like, I would do, ah, oh, there's no way I'd ever DNF a race. Like, I think about one of the friends of the pod, Mr. Kevin Goldberg, like he's done what, like six or seven 200s at this point. Like, it's such a long race. And to have everything go right for that many races in a row is kind of bananas. Um, my first DNF where I did not finish a race, um, was actually, I have the bib behind me and it's actually one that I kind of have proudly because, um, I was racing the 10 K at the cross country championships. I want to say 2018, maybe it was 2017. And this was my first like cross country race as an adult. Um, I'd done like some trail slash, they call them cross country races, but the reality is, is, um, I got spiked in the opening 600 meters, um, and right in my Achilles and it, it wasn't so bad that I was cut, but what it did do is like, it scraped the back of my heel. It shoved my sock underneath the back part of my shoe and caused my spike to slip in my heel a ton and going up and over things, getting wet and doing that. I made it through the first 5k. And I started limping because like my Achilles was hurting really bad, really bad. Um, and I'm like, man, is this really worth it? Like I've got a marathon in like eight weeks. Like this was supposed to be a fun tune up and have some fun with some teammates. And I started getting that thought. I'm like, what's the point? What? And I was like, I'm like, I've never pulled out of a race, but this really hurts. And I, I want to keep training. I want to get back to training in two days and I finished and, um, you know, I had probably about a half dollar sized, like blister on the back of my heel that was full of like blood and fluid. And I had like, this is good. This is gross. So those with sensitive ears skip ahead. Um, I had like fat deposits, like little chunks of like skin that were like, I could see in it. And I'm just like, I'm glad I stopped. Like I, I wasn't upset. Like I was upset in the moment. I was upset with myself that like, I had walked off a course like, yeah, I could have walked it in. And I always thought that I had like the machismo to like walk in a, a DNF. Um, but I'm like, you know, I just don't, I'm going to stop being in, you know, the, the getting hurt right now. I don't need to, what's the point? This is supposed to be a fun race. It was a total C race. Um, and that's, that's really kind of the most memorable DNF and is my first one. Um, so those are, those are never fun. And yeah, I think the hardest race I had was the one directly after that. Cause I did question my fitness and things like that going into the next race. It's tough. Yeah. So in this episode, we do talk about that kind of like, when do you say like, Hey, this is not my a goal. Like 
this isn't going to work out and just call it then. And then also when it is your A goal, when do you say like, yeah, I'm only going to hurt myself by finishing in a way that's not going to be repairable versus when do you just push through? And of course, this is also perspective, right? Because we have coach Laura, who is a triathlon coach and has done mm. a lot of long races, both triathlon and running. Um, and coach Hillary, who is a trail and ultra coach, which again is a lot longer distances. So with those, you know, with a, if it had been a situation like yours, there would have been time to take off your shoe, address that blister and repair. Whereas your race was pretty short and there's not going to be that opportunity. Uh, you know, unless you did want to, you know, take an hour to finish that, that 10k, which is probably not what you wanted to do. For other people, an hour for 10k is awesome. Don't think that we are dissing that in any regards. But for Andrew's situation, that's probably not what he wanted. Um, and so it's kind of knowing that we do mostly discuss longer races in this episode. Um, of course, if you there's no shame in DNFing at any distance, whether it's even a mile race and just something goes wrong. I'd say my biggest piece of advice is don't DNF because of your ego. Um, you know, I think that's pretty common in the ultra world. A lot of people will take off really gunning for a podium finish or marathons. This happens too. And when it doesn't happen, they just give up. I mean, to each their own, but I think that is probably going to weigh on you more heavily than if it's a DNF for illness, injury, um, or just not making the cutoffs. Yeah. You know, I think that's a hard piece is, you know, once, once you give up, it's a slippery slope it's a really slippery slope and it feels easier the next time and you start adding it up. And this goes back to an episode with, uh, Mr. Jake Tuber. I think this, uh, this one came out on, uh, the 15th, uh, this is episode 77. We talk about the idea of should and should like, this is the way the race should go. And if it's not going the way it should, I'm just going to walk off the course versus putting your head down and getting through a thing. Um, you know, it depends on what, what is that race? What is, what is the outcome that you desire? Um, what's, is it tied to your why? Is this something super important? Um, there's being forced to get off the course and then there's letting yourself get off the course. And those are two different things in my book. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's, we talk about that in this episode is how do you kind of work on pushing yourself through that discomfort? And then also, when do you just stop pushing through the discomfort? When do you allow mm. yourself to, to take a step back? Um, so I think that both Hillary and Laura have really awesome insight in this one. And then they both also really do a great job of discussing more of that emotional, emotional, mental side of, of the DNF or the potential DNF as well. No kidding. And if you guys really enjoyed the perspective of Coach Lou, uh, Coach Hillary, or Coach Laura, I almost called them Lillery. That's not even a person. Uh, you guys uh, go over to our Instagram uh, the day that you guys are listening to this. Uh, that's at Defining Endurance, and even over to at Lifelong Endurance. Uh, they'll be tagged in the post. If it's someone that you really align with, if you're looking for a coach, a great reminder: we are a coaching company that puts on this podcast. It's what it's here. It's here to be an educational thing give you guys some great insights. And it's also here to give our coaches exposure to you guys. If you find someone there, or you find something that you like, like I would say there's nothing that I think our coaches would enjoy more. And that I enjoy more is when someone really enjoys an episode, my clients that are listening and Lexi, I know you're the same. When I get feedback that like, Hey, this really resonated with me or anything like that. Like put that in the comments of this episode, reach out to one of our coaches and send them a DM and be like, this changed the way I thought about something. 
it's such a great way for us to interact with you guys. And that's our goal. And that's why we're doing intros is we want to be a little more, uh, you know, attainable and touchable to you guys and feel like you guys can reach out to us with questions and insights. So go ahead. It's at all one word, defining endurance. Uh, and we will catch up with you guys next week. Hello, everyone, and welcome back or welcome to the Defining Endurance podcast. I am today's host, Lexi Miller, joined today by two other coaches, Hillary Osborne and Laura Brooke. Uh, and today we're going to talk about the dreaded DNF or did not finish and why maybe it shouldn't be that dreaded at all. Laura, uh, Hillary, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, today we're just going to jump in and, you know, kind of break the ice with telling our own DNF stories. Uh, Laura, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, so I had my first um, DNF last year. I was running the Telluride Mountain Run, which was a pretty epic run, 40 miles, 14,000 feet of gain through the mountains around Telluride. Um, and I had great training going into it. I was feeling really good. And then got a stomach virus the, basically the night before, um, decided to start and um, got about 20 miles in and was on a ridge and knew that I could not keep going. We still had a ton more climbing to do. Just knew it wasn't the right thing to do. Um, I didn't feel safe being on top of a mountain, not feeling great, was not keeping anything down. Um, so I decided to call it a day. And, um, you know, I felt good about what I had to do. You know, it was the right thing to do. There's always more races. Um, and, yeah, so that's, that's the gist of my story. Yeah, and we'll definitely dive into kind of more of the nuances of, of the DNF as we, dive, as we go further. But before that, Hillary, what, what was your DNF story? Yes. So my DNF story happened very recently at the beginning of the month, um, beginning of May. I was racing Quad Rock 50. And um, for me, this was going to be a training run. Um, I'm building to a 100-mile race, <clears throat> high lonesome 100 at the end of July. So um, I specifically picked this race because it had a lot of vert. Um, I wanted to get in a 50 miles to kind of see how training was going and kind of see where I could course correct from there. Um, and as it turned out that that day was like one of the hottest days we've had so far this year and it was unexpectedly hot. So it wasn't like, um, historically this race has always been hot. And so I knew that I should train for the heat. Um, it kind of took me by surprise that week, um, just saw that the temperatures would be hot. And so if going into the race, it was like, well, you know, it's going to be hot and I'll just hydrate and do the best I can. And, um, and as the day went on, the first 25 were very tough. Um, definitely feeling the heat, feeling the vert. Um, <clears throat> and the course is like, uh, it's, it's two loops and you basically, you run 25 miles and then you turn around and you retrace your step, your steps, um, go back 25 miles. Um, so I got through the first 25 and I remember thinking like, oh, this is like, I'm not feeling fantastic, but, um, I'm going to keep, keep going on. And then from there, the wheels fell off very quickly. Uh, the heat just, uh, really got to me, um, started just draining my energy. 
Um, so you basically there's this long climb out of that 25 mile aid station. And, um, I just had nothing. I, I just zero energy. I was still eating and drinking fine. Like a stomach felt fine, but just energy levels were absolutely zapped. And, um, so just moving a lot slower than I wanted to, or I felt like I, I was capable of. Um, so had some real like mental lows, physical lows, but just kept moving and, um, figured, um, you know, this isn't my day, but I'm going to keep moving until either I get pulled for the cor- from the course or, or I find that finish line. And as it turns out that, um, at the, there's an aid station around 40 miles. Um, I got to that point and I just didn't make the cutoff. Um, and so that was the end of my day. And, um, and I don't know, I considered it a win that I kept moving until I was no longer allowed to keep going. Um, and yeah, I don't know, we can get into like the processing of all that, but that is my DNF story that basically the heat just really slowed me down until they wouldn't let me continue anymore. So that was my, that was my day. Yeah. That I, I mean, when it's kind of things out of your control, like weather, I think it can feel really frustrating. Um, and definitely we'll go into the processing and that decision of when is it just not worth absolutely beating yourself up? Uh, for my DNF story, it was the Grand Traverse Ski Race in 2019, I think, 2019. Um, and it was uh, similar to Laura. I The race starts at midnight. Um, so I woke up at 10 after a nap and just didn't feel right. Like something kind of felt funky. Um, I was like, maybe it's just being up at a weird time. You know, we'll just start. You start up going up start uh, going up a steep hill, uh, skinning, and I just immediately threw up probably a quarter mile into the race. Um, You race with a partner. Uh, I was racing with my cousin and I was like, it's fine. It's fine. I'll be fine. Um, Probably by like two miles in, I had a fever and was like shivering and still vomiting. Uh, We made it eight miles and I was ready to keep going. And my cousin was just like, absolutely not. I am not pulling you out of here. Like that's not how I plan on spending this race. Um, so we ended up having to get medevaced out with, not on an airplane or anything cool, just on a snowmobile. Uh, and I definitely had a lot of guilt partially, you know, of my own ego and partially because I caused my, my ski partner to DNF as well. Um, so again, we'll definitely dive into kind of the emotions that come with it. Before we do, I wanted to discuss the top reasons for DNF. And maybe you guys looked it up, um, but I'd like to hear what you guys think they are or what you know they are. I would say uh, like maybe top three that come to mind are um, stomach issues. So either not being able to eat or not keeping food down, um, anything to do with the digestion of food and moving. Um, I think blisters are another one that actually pull people. Um, gosh. And then like, and then any kind of like injury injuries that pop up like mus- muscles or body just doesn't want to cooperate anymore. Yeah. 
Well, I'll just add in, I mean, I also coach triathlon, so mechanical issues can really throw off your race. If something happens with your bike or you get in a bike wreck, um, with the Grand Traverse, um, I've done, I did it this year and I almost got derailed. My bindings were freezing and that really put a hamper on things. So, um, yeah, if you're using equipment for any sort of race, that can definitely play into it. Yeah. So number one is, uh, any kind of stomach issue, nausea, which can also lead to dehydration and food issues, not being able to eat. Um, number two is injury. And then the number three is just not being able to make the cutoff times, which we could say like, there's so many things that could be. Um, but I would say, you know, either it's just a bad day, um, or kind of what goes into one of the further down reasons that's listed is, uh, under training or inadequate training where, you know, maybe you just weren't able to get those long runs or you weren't able to make it. Uh, blisters are on there. Uh, gear malfunctions are on there. So I think really you're right in all of them. Um, it's it's all pretty rough if, if something goes wrong. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is kind of that decision making, whether it was what you guys went through or what as coaches you've talked to athletes about before or after a race of when do you pull the plug? When do you decide it's not time to keep going? Um, well, I'll go ahead. I mean, mine was health related and, you know, I, I made it, I, I kind of knew even from the beginning, like this is not going to be my day. I was not feeling great and just not being able to keep nutrition down and knowing that, you know, your health is on the line, especially when you're going into these really long races where you're going to be out there eight, nine, 10, 11 plus hours. Um, and, you know, I've been racing endurance events for a really long time. And I, I know that there's other races as much as it stings. You've just got to tell yourself, okay, I, you know, there's another race. It's not worth, you know, hurting myself and being out for a really long time to just cross that finish line. And I think it's harder maybe for newer athletes who, you know, perhaps this is their second or third race and there's a lot on the line and that, you know, they put so much time and energy and effort into it. And it, it hurts a lot more, I think, when you're newer to the sport um, and just haven't had that experience of knowing like the races will always be there. But um, you've got to preserve your health first and foremost. And then Hillary, you know, with yours, it was kind of a decision about what was ahead. So can you talk a little bit through that decision and how you knew that that was right opposed to, to pushing through for that last section? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't I didn't make the cutoff. So, um, you know, I couldn't continue. So, of course, that's, you know, a reason that you're done. Um, but. Um, you know, I, if I had, if I had the time, I don't, it, for me, it was a day where I don't, maybe I would have kept going. I don't know. I guess like maybe it's really hard to know uh, if I would have tried to just squeak out those last 10 miles or if I would have been done. It's interesting though, because the, the aid station before I was, didn't make the cutoff, I was mentally done. I showed up to that aid station and I said, I'm done. Um, you know, I'm out. And they were like, well, funny thing is, is you can't be out because we don't have a ride for you. 
um, unless you want to hang out here until 6 p.m. after we shut everything down and, you know, which was like hours from then. Um, they were like, the fastest way is actually just to keep moving. And maybe that was like the thing they needed to say to keep me moving. Um, but mentally, mentally, I would have been out or mentally I was out sooner. I did want to pull the plug sooner, but, um, I guess technically the quickest way was for me to move on to that next aid station. And then I just didn't quite make it. Um, but I do think other, like other reasons about knowing when like it's the right thing to do is obviously the medical reasons, right? Like you guys both talk about having sickness and being ill. And at that point, like it's just not safe and it's just not smart. Um, and so if someone else, is experiencing any other kind of medical reason like um, hypothermia or um, I don't know, I can't think of like, you know, severe dehydration, like anything medically that medically just dictates it as unsafe. That's definitely the right call to drop from the race. Um, And then of course, injury in terms like we all know ultras are going to hurt, right? Like they're supposed to hurt. And yes, we have learned how to run through pain and to just keep going through pain. But knowing the difference between like injury, are we doing damage? Like if I keep going, am I doing long-term damage to a ligament or to some muscles? And if we're at that point, then um, it's definitely the right call to pull from the race. Cause like Laura has said, there are other races. Everything doesn't have to come down to this one day. Um, and there are other opportunities when, you know, we could try again when maybe like safety is not on the line. Definitely. I think that, you know, considering health is so important, whether it is illness or injury, uh, you know, both of you being coaches and working with purely endurance coach, like endurance athletes, Laura doing a lot of triathlon and Ironman triathlons, as well as, you know, you coach some mountain runners and ultra runners and Hillary, you know, you're, you're kind of our star ultra trail coach. You know, when do you talk to people, especially, I think this might come up with either runners who have very lofty goals and ambitions or newer runners about when, when to kind of push through and try their best to keep, keep moving forward. Yeah, um, I can speak to this. So I had an athlete um, who ran 100 mile last year and in the first 20 miles or so really suffered from um, stomach issues. Like early was um, finding himself throwing up and not able to keep food down. Um, so that's kind of like throws you through, uh, uh, you know, a loop like, oh my gosh, it's early. Like I should not be feeling these things, but yet like, um, that was a situation. And I think that's important too. When like, when race does not go as planned or like something pops up that you're just not prepared for is like, step one is like, okay, this is the situation. Like, we're just going to assess and, um, maybe like just naming it, calling it what it is, whether it's stomach issues or, um, you know, you're more fatigued than usual, or you have a mechanical, if, if you're in like, um, a bike race, um, is one is just like addressing the issue and naming it. And then, um, step two is kind of like assessing like, okay, what can we do from here? 
Um, and so in the case of this athlete that was having stomach issues, um, the, uh, he actually reached out to me during the race and my advice was, okay, we're just going to slow down. Like you don't have to run. You don't like hike if you can, if that's still too much intensity or too much effort, I want you to just sit for a little bit. So it's like step one, um, especially in the case of stomach stuff is just slow down a little bit, um, walk or sit and just let's give it some time. Um, let's let things pass. Um, and so, and then from there you problem solve, um, regard, you know, depending on what the issue is. And I think if it's a situation that we can assess and kind of come up with a game plan, whether it's slowing down or it's, you know, like, uh, icing something or changing shoes, if, if it's the feet that are giving us a big problem is let's try and problem solve. And does the problem solving help us? Uh, does it alleviate the problem? Does it help us continue to move forward? Like, can we still make progress? Um, and if the answer is yes, then it's like, okay, let's just, let's keep the forward momentum. Let's keep the progress. And let's see if after a little bit of time, if this issue continues to resolve itself or if it's an issue that maybe just continues to get worse, it's like then maybe you start thinking about like, okay, are we now going into unsafe territory or are we going into, you know, a situation that's dangerous? Um, but kind of making that initial assessment of um, like, do we pull, do we not? Um, you know, it's like problem assess and problem solve first and then um, kind of give it a little bit of time and see if things, like which direction things head from there. Yeah, I like, I like that, Hillary, is just stopping, not getting frantic, because that's when emotions get high and not really assigning negative or positive emotions. I mean, I try to prepare my athletes saying, you know, there's going to be low times. And you've dealt with this in training. Hopefully, a lot of these things have come up in training. So you've kind of experienced them, whether it's, you know, getting blisters on your long runs. Like, how have you dealt with that during training? So being able to rely on your experiences in training. Um, you know, with my triathletes, I'm like, you need to know how to change a flat tire because it will happen. At some point or other in a race, you will probably get a flat tire. Um, you know, change, figuring out the mechanical stuff and not getting frantic saying, okay, you know, this is what it is. I'm going to, you know, I've practiced changing my flat tire outside of a race situation. I can do it and stay calm, um, get back on the bike, keep moving forward. Um, another thing that a lot of um, triathletes do with is panic in open water. Um, and being able to not let that panic take over. It's like, okay, it may get, you may get a little panicky at the beginning. You've practiced those, you know, techniques to calm yourself down. Stop if you need to do bus stroke, get on your back a little bit, do that, and then keep going and just moving forward at any, you know, I, but I always think, yeah, stopping, assessing, figuring out what's going on, figure out a way to keep moving forward, and um, yeah. And then, you know, if there are major issues that you're running into, 
medical. If it's mechanical, that there's nothing, nothing you can do, then, you know, kind of being okay with that. Um, so, yeah. No, I yeah. always like, oh, go ahead, Hillary. Oh, I was just going to kind of like echo that with my experience and my DNF or like, you know, the first time that the thought occurred to me that this was not a good day and I no longer want, wanted to be out there. Um, like, quite honestly, I called my husband twice in tears and just said that this was that I was done. And it's like, it's, it's like almost like that first low is like, okay, you have to just like experience it and process it. And in my, and in my situation, and for a lot of people, like there's going to be an upswing after that. There's going to be a high after that. Um, so let's see if we get there, if that comes and then, um, and then kind of like, where does the day go from there? And then for me, I had, I had more low, like I had the high came out of it and then I did have another low. And as a result, like it just, I, I slowed down more and, and that's where I missed cutoffs. Um, and so for other people who are like thinking about the DNF, it's like, okay, well, if, if stomach stuff starts to bug you, like, let's see if we come out of that. Can we resolve that? Um, and it, like back to the runner I was talking about, he was able, was able to resolve it, slowed down, um, gave it some time. And then eventually he was able to keep down calories and keep moving. And he, and so he was able to stay in the race. Had that gone the other way, had he um, never really been able to keep calories down or ha- had, you know, he continued to just get sick as the day went on, then the smart thing to do is, is to call it. So, um, so yeah, it's almost like riding, riding that first wave of emotions or, um, or problems and, and kind of like seeing, seeing where you, where you land after that. Definitely. You know, that, you know, I was just going to say, I think like we've all obviously finished more races than we've DNF'd and that's true for the majority of people. Um, and I think, you know, we've all experienced that there's just so much that can happen in even 26 miles, let alone a hundred, um, or 140 for Laura. Um, but you know, there's just so much that can change and it, it's nothing is permanent. So, you know, worst case scenario could get worse, but most of the time, sometimes it gets a little bit better and you can kind of keep pushing through and you have things to look forward to. And I think that's important as a runner is whether it's the next aid station or, you know, that you're going to see your crew or pacers, or if you're just doing a long solo event, like you just have a moment in mind that you're looking forward to. It can really just get you through those dark times. Um, so next, I kind of want to dive into the big emotions of the DNF. And, you know, I think that even if it was for the best, it can just carry a lot of weight. So I would like to hear like you two, both as athletes and coaches, how you've seen what you've seen those emotions present themselves as and how you've dealt with them. Yeah, I'll, I'll chime in first. And I, I thought about this a lot since I have, uh, since I dropped out of Quadrock. And I think, um, I think like an athlete's um, maybe purpose behind the race kind of plays into whether they finished or whether they dropped um, a lot too. Like in my case, 
this was a training run and it was, it, for me, it was also a test. I, I wanted to see, I've been having some knee issues that really only pop up after 30 miles. And so in this case, it was a test. I wanted to see, am I still having those knee issues or is the, the strength and the other work that I've done, is it helping? Um, and so going into this race, it was not my A race. This was not, um, you know, like the first time I had run 50 miles or it wasn't like my peak race for the season. It was, um, it was a training run and it was a test run. So those were kind of my goals going into it. So because I DNF'd, I feel like um, those things were still true. Like those goals were still true, even though I didn't get through 50 miles. I got through 40 miles of a great training training run and I got through 40 miles of knee knee um a pain-free knee. Uh my knee was pain-free. There we go. Um and so I think something that might help people going into any race is coming up with either process goals or like mentality goals that can be true regardless of how the day goes. Um, like for example, when I did Leadville 100, my two goals going into that race were to be kind to myself and to be courageous. And those things could have been true regardless of how the day went. Like if I had needed to drop from the race or if I performed at whatever time, it doesn't matter. Those, those goals could still be true regardless of what happens. Um, and so I think goals like that kind of help you help an athlete kind of anchor back to like the bigger why of like why we do these things and um, give us a chance to like, like something can still, we can still say that we were successful at something, even if maybe we, we weren't able to finish the distance or, or get the, the time that we wanted. Um, So that's what I would recommend to people as they're going into these races is, um, come up with a couple like process goals or just, I don't know, it's almost like a mentality goal. Um, that can be true regardless of what, what happens to you on that day. I like that Hillary, you know, last year I was my first foray into ultra running. So, um, you know, I really didn't have, you know, I, my goals were to finish the race and, um, and just kind of, it was a, it's a completely for me different mentality than Ironman racing. Um, Cause I, for Ironman racing, it's very outcome based and it's, you know, going after that Kona slot. It's like, you don't know who's going to show up. There's usually two slots for women my age. So it's very based on, you know, where you're placing. So for me, like kind of venturing into ultra running was a chance to, move away from that and enjoy being in nature. And, um, you know, even though I didn't finish my race, it was amazing. Like we started in the dark and I got to see the sunrise over the mountains and we got up to 13,000 feet. And I mean, it was beautiful and just such a different experience than Ironman racing. And for me, I really kind of I think changed my mentality, like learn to have a little more fun out there. <laughs> um, and you know, it's, I did another, I did a half Ironman later in the fall um, after my DNF and just came at it with a completely different perspective. Like I'm going to go in there and 
you know, I've done completely different training, like training in the mountains. And, um, you know, we had a really rainy day when I did that half Ironman. And so it's like conditions weren't perfect, but kind of going through having that experience of DNFing and not having these, you know, perfect conditions changed my mentality going into my half Ironman. And it was just like, I'm just going to stay in the moment. So it's really helped me change my mentality. Um, so I think those mentality goals are really important rather than just a single outcome goal, but having those, yeah, process and being kind to yourself. When you start talking negative about yourself, I mean, things just go downhill. <laughs> yeah. And the aftermath of DNFs for someone who maybe um, this was their, it was their A race or it was like maybe the furthest they had ever gone before. Um, I can I can see how like mentally that might be just be a little heavier. Um, but knowing that um, like one, it happens to everyone. So welcome to the club. You're not alone. And, um, and then just one start to process and think about like, what can you learn from the situation? Um, you know, is there things you can take away from it that you would do differently in, in your training or you would do differently on race day. And then um, there's always an opportunity to go again. Like it doesn't have to be one day as the end all be all. There's always another day. Um, and so I, I, I don't think there's any shame in that at all. No. And I think it's, there's a lot of power in also naming the emotions that you're feeling and validating them. Um, so I think when we're like, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. Like, I don't want to, you know, you know, dwell on this. We sometimes hold it with us a little bit longer. So, you know, leaving that race and being like, man, I feel guilty that my crew was out there and now I didn't finish the race. And once you name it, it gets a little bit less powerful. Same with like, oh, I'll be a little bit embarrassed that there'll be a DNF next to my name. Once it's named, it doesn't seem like as big of a deal. Um, so, you know, that would just be my one, my one, advice piece of advice to like moving forward that you guys didn't already name because you guys clearly know what you're talking about and really have great insight on like how you can move forward um but then from there kind of Hillary what you touched on like all right we have this DNF it happened what can we learn from it and then how can we go into our next race without holding that over ourselves uh yeah I think um like this is where uh, having a coach is great. Um, just for the processing afterwards, um, really just talk it out with someone. It could be a coach, it could be a friend, um, or, or journal, but really I think naming things, like you said, Lexi is great verbalizing it or writing it down. Um, identify like, okay, this is where the day started to go wrong. Or maybe I could see where these choices led to, some missteps or, or maybe you did nothing wrong and it was just like the weather or the conditions. And so, so you can say, okay, this is what caused the DNF. And then how can I take some action steps to improve upon that? Whether it's taking a look at your training, do you need to implement um, different aspects into your training? Do you need to practice nutrition a little better? Do you need to um, dial in gear or, or whatever action steps might be, you know, that you could do for the next time. Um, and I do think there's a huge benefit into 
verbalizing that with someone, processing with a coach or a friend, and then um, kind of making tangible things moving forward that you can adjust or specifically work on. Yeah, I definitely think it's important to talk talk about it with somebody else and allow yourself to be sad, frustrated, angry, whatever it is, but don't give yourself some t- the time you need to work through that and then having those tangible goals that you can work towards. So like, okay, give yourself some time to kind of, you know, grieve that that race that was not to be and then then move on, figure out those things that you need to do to rectify it. And it, I think it's that whole thing of like, just kind of learning, you know, what you'll need to be stronger in the future. And, you know, if you made that mistake once, you probably won't make it again. If it was like something weird, weird, you ate at an aid station wearing the wrong socks. Like, you know, once you go through that experience, you're probably going to not make that mistake. So being sure that you learn and grow and just as you guys have both said, just being kind to yourself and being gentle with yourself. So Thank you so much for joining me, guys. Before we we leave everyone, uh, do you guys want to let everyone know what your next big adventures are? Uh, sure. I'm um, shortly in a couple of weeks, I'm doing the Leadville Marathon. Um, and my goal for that going in is just to have a good race experience, kind of get the, the race positive vibes back. Um, so for me, that doesn't mean like, hitting a time. It's just going to be, it's about my attitude and my mentality. I just want to have a fun day. And then after that, the big goal is high lonesome hundred at the end of July. Um, and I actually have dirty 30 coming up on Friday. So I did that. That was my first ultra last year. had a really great experience. So, um, looking forward to running it again with a little more, um, trail running and ultra experience coming into it this year. Um, then I'm finishing out the triple crown of the Grand Traverse. So I'm doing the run and then mountain bike back. That's in September. And then I'm doing um, Boulder 70.3 and then the um, World Championship 70.3 in October. So fun, fun summer of stuff. Busy, 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 Laura. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for taking time to chat with us. Uh, There is links to both of these ladies in our show notes so you can find their Instagrams or their coaching profile pages. And we'll see you guys next week.